What's up, guys? Welcome back to the SalesCast podcast with myself and our, my other host, Jed Marley here. We have a very special guest today, the VP of Strategy over at RepView. We have Darren Alpert. Darren, welcome on. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. I wish I had hair like Jed's. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> but um, I know this kind of falls under your area of expertise, but what should you be looking for in a sales role if you're searching for jobs right now? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think the number one thing should probably be product market fit. I think OTEs get inflated and they could be off target earnings if no one's hitting numbers. Um, but I think if, if it were me looking for a new role right now, I think number one would probably be product market fit because if nobody wants to buy it, regardless of a potential market downturn or even when the market's hot, like there's plenty of products don't don't sell when the market's hot, let alone when it's down. So I think that's probably number one is product market fit. And we could we could dive in deeper to what does product market fit mean too. Yeah, I'm actually really curious about that because you know I see these crazy numbers thrown around for sales reps, um, crazy OTs, you know, and, and I'm sure some of them are legit. But if I'm an SDR, especially if I'm new in my career, and I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot of money. Like that, you know, mm -hmm. how do I, um, you know, accurately assess? Hey, am I actually going to make that money there? Like, do you have any, uh, I guess, tips or strategies to say? Hey, I, I know this is a product market fit, or I know I can't hit quota there. Like, how do you kind of go about that process? Yeah, I mean, I'm biased because of RepView and RepView is kind of this G2 slash trip advisor for digging into uh, how sales orgs are performing. And product market fit for, let's say you're like looking, let's say you're uh, um, maybe you're an SDR trying to become an yep. AE. Right? And, and you're going somewhere and you're trying to get an understanding, you know, maybe you go into a company that's got like an SMB segment, a mid-market segment, an enterprise segment. A lot of time, a lot of companies either started SMB and mid-market and then tried to go up market later with a new product offering that mm -hmm. the enterprise product market fit may not be there yet. Like it may never be there. The, maybe the company is getting propped up by selling into small businesses and mid-market businesses. And they've kind of you know, they've got this uh, Berkshire Hathaway model where like Geico insurance is this constant cash flow for them, but then they, they allow that cash flow to then go and try out new businesses. Like there's a lot of SaaS companies doing that when they're trying to go up market. Um, so I, I would want to get a really deep understanding of like, oh, maybe you're an SDR trying to go into the SMB role. Um, does that make more sense than trying to become an NSDR? Like are NSDRs making more money than the SMB AEs? Like, I don't think enough, I don't think enough entry-level people even know to think that way, let alone an SDR that's maybe like an SMB SDR who's who's crushing it going, do I become an SMB AE versus like an NSDR? Uh, huh. I'd want to dive in a lot deeper on that. Yeah. Have you seen cases where an enterprise SDR could make more than an SMBAE? Yeah. We have the data on RepU that's showing that there's SDRs making more money than uh, an SMBAE. And the product, maybe it's a, maybe it's a company that started enterprise because there's a lot of companies that um, started with their product. Like Sprinklers are a good example. They're a company that uh, only sells to like the fortune 2000. Mm. If, if, if I were an, and maybe they're like, Hey, we're going to try to go down market and try to try to go after sprinkler or uh, Hootsuite and some of these other like uh, social media tools for SMBs. 
maybe maybe it doesn't make sense yet to be like an SMB either because their tool their products aren't built for SMBs. You know what I mean? Right. I think. Yeah. How can you uncover that? It's all in the questions you ask uh, the hiring managers. Um, where do leads come from? How are you guys closing deals? Uh, what percentage of pipeline is inbound versus outbound? What like are SDRs closing deals? Are AEs closing deals? Um, how many? So sprinkler, you sell to the Fortune 2000. You're trying to go down market. How many customers do you have down market? How many? How many referenceable customers do you have down market? What's your NPS score down market? There's a lot you can mm -hmm. do there. What do the G2 reviews look like down market? You can find that on your own. Right. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say, how do you know uh, what the hiring manager is telling you is fact versus cap is whatever Chad would say these days. <laughs> Not that, I don't even know what that means. I'm so old. I'm 36. Uh, I'm the same. My back hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I think people should treat the interview process like the sales process. Yeah. You're going to ask all these discovery questions when you're talking to a prospective customer, like why would you not do the same with your career? In fact, you should do it more with your career than you do with prospects because it's like your job on the line, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like and I think if you're like an SDR too, or, you know, somebody applying for a position, you're kind of nervous to ask those questions, um, especially in a sales role you know, speaking as someone who, you know, who hires sales reps, that's super important. If we spend half the interview with you asking me really, you know, in-depth and specific questions like that, that's going to stand out to me and show that you really care and are looking for the right place. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you called it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. How many, so Jed, you, you interview a bunch of salespeople, right? How many have ever said, Hey Jed, you know, you just spent two hours interviewing me and I've gotten like five minutes I need an hour with you to ask my questions. How many times do you get that from candidates? I don't think I've ever, yeah, like pretty much never. <laughs> Wild. Do you ever yeah. ask them? Do you, like, you should just tell them, be like, hey, like, we like you, like, but you should ask us a bunch of questions too. It's like dating. I, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge, I've had call interviews where, you know, the, uh, the rep is great. Everything's great on paper. The interview goes really well. We get to the very end. You know, what questions do you have for me? And they have nothing. It's like, how many days of PTO do you have or something like that? And that's a huge red flag because I don't know about you, but it kind of gives off the vibe that maybe they're just looking for a job or, you know, they're just not that interested. Um, but that's definitely your opportunity to really kind of stand out and show that you care about the job. Yeah. And how many, yeah, like actually saying, Jed, I need an hour with you and I've got a bunch of questions. I'll pre-send them to you. It's almost like getting ready for a podcast. Like, yeah, pre-send them to you. You can work on what your answers are, but I need this time. Otherwise, I'm not comfortable taking the job. People feel like they need to win the job. Yeah. Absolutely. You, yeah. What, what, um, I think on that side too, you know, we, we, we were talking before we were recording, like it sounds like some of you, like both you guys have living proof of seeing like maybe an SDR making more money than a, than a SMB AE. Have you seen that? Yeah. Well, I think Luke, you should, you should speak to your experience too. Cause I see this a lot where um, enterprise is like the sexy position to go after, right? You know, everybody wants to be an enterprise AE, but nobody really kind of sits down and says, Hey, there's actually a lot of money to be made in SMB. And I think we all have these stigmas of, Oh, I'm an SDR. I have to be an AE. I'm an AE. I have to be an enterprise AE. Um, but Luke, maybe you can speak to some of your experience. I know you, you spent a lot of time in SMB as an AE. Um, like, you know, what's your experience? How does that kind of differentiate? 
Yeah, I mean, earlier we were talking about it might not have an enterprise product market fit. You're probably going to make more money being in the SMB or mid-market space than being up in the enterprise because you're right, Jed. It has the sexy title. It has that cachet on LinkedIn. I'm an enterprise account executive, but you might also be sitting there with six to nine month long sales cycles or longer that don't end up closing because there's no fit there versus somebody who can churn and burn 40, 50 accounts and close out every single month. And you're really in control of your own destiny by how skilled you are, the research you do and the care you put into sales. You know, a lot of it, I think, comes down to personality fit. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Darren. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, man. I grew up playing baseball. I was not an endurance athlete. Like I've been in enterprise sales. That's an endurance sport. Um, yeah. Different sales motion, way different sales motion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Actually, just on that side of things, because endurance sport, more enterprise side of things. I grew up playing golf a lot, individual yeah. sport. You need a team to sell enterprise because you're pulling multiple departments internally and you're selling internal and external versus SMB. The buck stops with you. You have to be the product expert, your own sales development and closing tool all in one. And you can take ownership. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And And the other side of it too is like, like who cares what OTE is if you're an enterprise AE, right? And even an SMB AE, if, and maybe you're like that, maybe you're like, oh, do I go enterprise SDR versus SMB AE? Or do I want to eventually get to enterprise AE? Like who cares what OTE is if no one's making money anyway? Because it, what really matters is the earnings. Like what are people actually making? Like I could care less about OTE if no one's making any money. It means nothing to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. And I'll go ahead, Luke. Sure. No, you're absolutely right there. And then you can also look at which comp plans, if you really get into the nitty gritty details of if I overperform, where do I make more money? Could I make more being an enterprise SDR and setting 12 meetings a month when the quota is six versus hitting 150% of an AE quota, for yep. example? Yeah, exactly. And like, repetition at bats pattern pattern recognition you get a lot more closing experience maybe down market um it also again it comes back to like like i can tell you right now there are companies that we have profiles for on RepView where the teams are not doing well at all and the and they look like rocket ships and they're unicorns yeah. doesn't mean anything <laughs> because the whole business is getting propped up by commercial the commercial team and the mid-market team and the end team is like struggling. But, but the story from the CRO is it's like, Hey, Hey, CFO and investors, we're going to go raise another massive round of funding because we think we have an opportunity up market. Like we yeah. think we do, but we need all this money to build out the infrastructure and the value engineers and all the, the sales engineers. Like there's a ton of money that gets invested. And a lot of times it goes, it doesn't pan out. And then what you've wasted all this money. They're probably a new CRO coming in. And they just continue to like win down market it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And you're probably hiring an outside enterprise rep there as well. who doesn't know the product or the system and they're set up to ramp while you're trying to build all this. Yeah. It's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. It's almost better to have the farm system continue to go up. Yeah. Um, Darren, do you, is there any data showing, because I'm thinking about it, if I'm an SDR who's either looking for my first tech sales job or like looking to change careers or, or change jobs. Um, I'm thinking about it from that perspective. You know, it, it sounds like you're saying I should probably put 
product market fit in that long term over, you know, do I want to go into that AE title or is it okay with taking a step back in the STR position? Um, do you see, I mean, curious for your thoughts on that, but also just from Refuse data, um, does it look like more AEs are hitting quota right now or SDRs? Like, do you see any side uh, performing better overall at the, the companies you have data on? Um, let, I'm not sure if you have any data on that. Yeah. So the first one, sorry, you, you said two and I've got ADD. So what yeah. was it? Can you repeat the first one? Yeah. I mean, I guess, what are your thoughts on like, do you think it's, it's more important to kind of value that product market fit of the company, right? Like, are they doing well? Do they have a good product market fit over, Hey, I just want the AE title or I want the enterprise AE title, that sort of thing. Like taking yeah, a step back yeah. to doing SDR. Yeah. I think product market fit over the title is everything because yeah. You got to reverse engineer, like, what is the market telling you? And the market isn't the hiring manager, the heart, the market isn't the recruiter. The market is like the customers, right? So uh, if it were me looking for a new role today, I would, uh, and I, let's say a recruiter reached out and it was like, Hey, we have this new exciting company at, you know, XYZ Inc. Right. One, what are the reps? How are they rating on rep? You product market fit would be a big one. Are they hitting quota? That's the first piece. And then I would go to G2 and look at what are the customers saying in that segment? What are the enterprise customers saying if I'm looking at an enterprise role? What are the SMB customers saying if I'm looking at an SMB role? Those two layers of data should give you a pretty good understanding of what's going on. And then you can dig in deeper. Like great example, um, there's, a, there, there's a company based in uh, Seattle that, had an acquisition in Boston. So they have a big Boston office. They're a $20 billion public company. They sell data for salespeople. I'll leave it at that. Uh, they notoriously on G2, it says that their customer service is terrible. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're going into an account manager role and you're trying to upsell, cross-sell them, I would be digging in really hard on customer service because how can you upsell, cross-sell somebody if customer service isn't great? Right. Yeah. That's the next level that I don't think enough candidates are digging into when they're applying for jobs. Yeah. Because they want to go work at the, they want to go work at this big company, right? They, they're like, oh, the logo, it's amazing. Everybody knows, you know, the logo, all three of us know the logo. You could dig, you could figure it out pretty easily. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And I mean, I think especially right now, everybody just wants the title to put on their LinkedIn or the logo to put on their LinkedIn. And it's like, you kind of laid out the framework there, which is, Start on RepView, which I personally use. I've looked at um, the data in there is crazy too. I mean, you can literally see what tech stack they have, that sort of thing, which is also important. I mean, if a company is not investing in the right tech stack, um, you got to think about that as a, as a sales rep. Um, that has a huge difference in your productivity. Uh, but look at RepView, go on G2 Crowd, narrow it by whatever segment you're going to be in. Um, I've even tried, you know, like reaching out to other SDRs there and saying, hey, like, can yeah. you jump on a 15 minute call just to ask you some questions sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe you get to that point in the interview process where you're like, hey, hiring manager, can I talk to one of your reps? Who are they going to connect you with? The, the top rep, right? Yeah. Very skewed perspective on what. So, so the hiring manager is like, hey, our team is crushing it. Well, is the team crushing it? Or do you have yeah. like two people out of the 10 that are propping up your entire number? Right. So it's usually what it is. It's usually like the 2080 rule where 20% of the team is doing 80% of the number. That, that's I mean, exactly that's such a good point. <laughs> happens all the time. Team's crushing it. Well, show me the, show me the attainment dashboard. Show me the each rep 
with what their quota attainment was last quarter and last year. And if you're not willing to do that, like me talking to the top rep tells me nothing. Yeah. You know, you got to do, I think doing, that's a good point. Like doing your own back channeling of reps or, or you find them on LinkedIn. Like why, why, why are there all these reps that were there for four months and left? That's, that's weird. What, why is that happening in this segment that I care about? Yeah. Almost like prospecting, go on sales navigator and see like what people have left in the last six months or look at like insight to see if it's dipping or going up in terms of how much they're hiring. Or I would probably, you know, that's such a good point. Cause I didn't even know I was doing that too. But when I interview, um, when I was interviewing reps at Panadoc, for example, I'm always going to say, if you want to meet somebody, you're going to meet, you know, one of my top reps, of course, and you're getting yep. a skewed perspective. And obviously they're not going to, you know, kill the interview for me by telling them, uh, you know, any negative things or whatever, but, but yeah, doing your own research, maybe reaching out to somebody who just joined like six months ago, if they're still fresh, that sort of thing. Um, yep. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point. A, uh, a mediocre rep that just left a company has way more insight, maybe a little bitter, obviously, because they're gone, depending on how they yeah. left, but they've got way more insight and they're going to give you the Simon Cowell American Idol answer <laughs> yeah. more than the top rep is because the top rep is like, everything's gravy. I get fed new accounts when that mediocre rep leaves. Like it's like this continuing cycle, but like you need the truth. You know, it's, it's like a, you look at a restaurant and Yelp, you see all these five-star reviews, like your BS meter starts going off because I, like, is the soup that good? It can't be that good for everybody. Like there's something wrong yeah. at some point, like the three and the three and a half star are, reviews are where it's at that's where the truth comes out talk to the three and a half star reps we'll get the truth absolutely and actually um just taking what everything you laid out here darren um we put so much work into the sales cycles the research the markets being experts in your space when you're at the job to get a commission check yep. well, shouldn't we be doing that same amount of work to figure out where we can make the most commission, make the highest on target earnings. Yep. Cause you, that's the highest thing. Yep. Yeah. Like you're never going to get those down funnel commission checks. If top of the funnel, you're not yeah. doing your research properly to, to get the job, to get the job. That's the right fit for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate you having on here, Darren. Um, yeah. This has been the sales cast podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Walsh, our CEO and I are all over LinkedIn. Um, you can find us there, search RepView, see us on there. We post all the time and, and uh, yeah, easiest place. Absolutely. Thanks for jumping on guys. We're just trying to make prospecting simple and closing predictable. We'll catch you next time.